0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 157 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jenny Kessler. Jenny lives in Wisconsin, where she is a registered nurse who works in a medical rehab unit. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here today. I'm really
0: glad to have you. So, you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: So I, of course, wrote some notes. And then this morning, I can't find them. But Oh, well, that's all right. It got it all fresh in your mind, right? Yeah. A friend of mine, Tammy Haldeman, who was number 55 podcast, had posted on her Facebook site last November about her podcast so I listened to that and it was kind of an aha moment like oh my gosh this would be very easy I can do this so that was probably like a Thursday or Friday and I do a home health job in addition to my hospital job and I did that on Sunday so I downloaded your book have lots of downtime during that read the whole book went into that day knowing that I was going to be fasting so I started Saturday night and that day I fasted for 23 hours. And ate my lunch supper, I guess it was, after I had read your book and things. So knew about the clean fast. I'm a big water drinker. Just did did water all day and then ate and started the process. So
0: that's awesome. So that was 2019. Yeah, that, when that was November of 2019. All right. Yep. So I love hearing that. I love that you saw her post about the podcast you listened to the podcast and you immediately
1: thought, this is for me. Yeah. And actually, her podcast, Lynn Hudson, has been a friend of hers for, since like grade school or something. And she that was month,
0: episode two,
1: I believe, I right? Think so, yeah. And she got started. And when I kind of looked, it had been the November before that Lynn had done hers and things. I know. So it's kind of interesting to, you know, get that history or see the flow of things, I guess.
0: Yep. And it just lets us know that when we share with others, whether it's sharing your podcast episode on Facebook or Instagram or just telling people about it or any way that we share, we influence other people who pay it forward and it just keeps going like a big snowball.
1: Yeah. I have been very, like I told people at work right when I started, I said, you know, I am doing this if I'm getting crabby with you guys, just call me on it, you know, so and I haven't been called on it. I think I've I've handled it. Well, I had a couple days at work that were just crazy busy. And I maybe had an energy drink in the morning and ate nothing, you know, until five, six o'clock at night. So I'm like, okay, I that was another reason I knew I could do it. But
0: because you had kind of done it before prior to discovering the clean fast you accidentally. Yeah, yeah. With that energy drink, you made it through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have had lots of People who have asked about it, who I've given information to, um, who have started and just I, my son's wedding reception was last week. And since I posted some of those pictures on Facebook, I think I've sent seven people information on fasting, the little notes that I've typed up for various things to share with people. So we'll see where that goes. But
0: That's awesome. So people saw your son's wedding photos and they're like, oh, my goodness, Jenny, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Our photos really speak for themselves when our friends and family who have seen us over the years, especially if they've watched us struggle, if they've seen us struggle with our weight, if they've seen us yo-yo, because, you know, that was me. You never knew if I was going to be at the high end of my weight or the low end of my weight or somewhere in between until intermittent fasting. So, what was it like for you prior to intermittent fasting over the life of you know? Have you had the
1: lifelong diet struggles? You know, I really haven't. I probably should have, but I did not. Growing up, you know, I kind of felt like I was bigger, but I really wasn't. You know, looking back at pictures and whatnot, I wasn't. So, got married and had my first baby at 23. Was able to lose the weight after him. Had my next one two two years later kind of, you know, got back down a little bit, but not all the way. And then after my third son was born, never really took that weight off completely. So I've been, you know, bigger all my life. I actually went to nursing school, like in my early 40s. And during that time, I gained weight and Like prior to that, I'd done like Weight Watchers a couple times, tried to just kind of, you know, pay better attention to what I was doing. But and then the other big thing was my mom passed away from cancer about 20 years ago and she had. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. She said, don't ever feel bad about your weight. She said, if I wouldn't have been bigger, I would not have been here as long as I was because of the cancer. And she felt, you know, so it was kind of like that in the back of your mind. But I guess I wasn't real upset about my weight. It was just what it was.
0: Right. So when you talk about that, like, give us an idea. I mean, you don't have to say the exact number unless you want to. Don't share more than than you're comfortable with. But like, how much would you say you were overweight? It wasn't enough to really like upset you, but what was I it? I mean,
1: you know, I was like a little bit over two hundred, probably at that time, two ten or so. Well, I used to be five five, but when I went to the doctor recently, they were like, "You're five four and a half," and that's oh, giving you. And I'm like stretching, and but, and I do have some arthritis in my back, and I'm sure it's you know done some compression there. But anyway, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So. So then when I was in nursing school, I had gained some weight and probably, you know, was, I think I was about 245 at that point. So hired a trainer and dieted, went to the gym, did all that kind of stuff and actually got down to like 215. Okay.
0: And when was that? About about how long ago?
1: That was like 2009, or so after I graduated and had more time, I did that. So got down, lost 30 pounds. So back down to about 215 then, but then over the ensuing years had gotten up to 230 is where I started that November day.
0: But prior to that, you just hadn't, like you were living with the weight and in the back of your mind, you felt like, hmm, but you never really felt like you needed to
1: It wasn't something that was a pressing problem. No. I mean, I bought like Whole30 and tried to eat better and, you know, did that kind of stuff. So, I mean, when I started this process, I had clothes in my closet from 20 some years ago that I was still wearing, you know, kind of. Okay.
0: You had pretty much maintained within that range without much struggle. That was just where your body comfortably was and you were happy to stay there
1: for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: I, on the other hand, was the queen of yo-yo.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of lazy and thought, I know I'm not ready for this. I think it was a lot of it. I'm not ready for it. Nothing has resonated. Nothing's been sounded like, oh, I think I could do this for a long-term thing.
0: You know, I actually have have read before that it's better to, like what you did, maintaining at that weight and just being steady there is actually better for us than the yo-yo of up and down and up and down. So that was, you know, you you were ready when you found intermittent fasting yeah, and you hadn't put your body through that whole struggle of the yo-yo. So right. that's a positive. So when you began intermittent fasting, how did the weight loss look for you at that time?
1: It actually went pretty good. Like I said, it was like November 16th, I think that I started you know, the official, like when I got done eating on that Saturday and I had a doctor's appointment the end of December, or I'm sorry, the end of January and had labs done in December and then went later in January for that appointment. And I had lost 20 pounds at that. Wow. And my doctor for the holidays. Yes. I fasted for Thanksgiving and I fasted for Christmas both. And just had, you know, fasted, opened my windows a little bit longer, didn't really snack, just had Thanksgiving was, you know, eat the dinner, have the dessert. We're done. Christmas was a longer. We did a brunch and then we did something in the evening. But yeah, just kept on fasting for those. So and my doctor was, we were talking about it and she said, well, you know, what have you been doing? And I said, oh, I'm intermittent fasting. And she said, oh, a 16, eight. And I said, well, no, more like a 24. And she's like, okay, you know, just keep it going and things. So,
0: so she was supportive. She, she had heard of it. Yep. She knew about it.
1: This was also
0: right after, you know, because December of twenty nineteen is when that New England Journal of Medicine article came out. And then so many doctors who may not have even really been intermittent fasting aware prior to that suddenly were like, Oh, what's this? So that was when it was on everyone's lips. Yeah. January of twenty twenty. So she was supportive and you lost twenty pounds. Was there any change in your blood work? That I mean, I
1: know it was early. There was there was a little bit. Things were better. My blood pressure was down. I've been on blood pressure meds since I was in my 20s, and I actually tried to get off those, but probably will not. It was just uh, still running a little bit high at times and some rate control at my last appointment. So I am back on those. But so, yeah, but I was after that, I quit taking GERD meds. So that was good. I got off the ameprazole and at that appointment. So
0: Though well, that's huge. That's huge. So, after the first twenty pounds, what happened? I mean, it was January of 2020. We were just about to start hearing about pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> which plays such a role in all of our 2020 stories, and always will. But what happened
1: after yeah. January? So, things continued to go well. By my six month fasting anniversary, I had lost fifty pounds.
0: Wow, six uh, six months. 50 pounds. That is remarkable. Yep.
1: So that was good. I was happy with that. Over the next couple months, I lost another 10 pounds. So I was at So you were well below 200 pounds at this point. Yeah. So I was at 180 when I'd lost the 50, and then I did another 60 and got to 170. So then last summer, I decided that I wanted to be able to have a little more fun And whatnot. So I started having longer windows, maybe drank a little more beer once in a while. I think we were all doing that last summer. (laughs) Yeah, kind of let the carbs creep in more. So I have been maintaining my weight (laughs) in a five pound range since then and i kept thinking okay january 1st i'm getting back on track and it just hasn't happened so then i was like I'm getting, i am getting up to get ready for this podcast i have to be able to say i broke this maintenance plateau but i am thinking as this as my body's new set point and i've adjusted to it and now i can move on I'm you know left- that's a good way of looking at it because you're still down oh what yeah. was that 6 pounds. I'm between 55 and 60 pounds, depending on the day. And we we're recording this
0: in April, and so that's that's a lot. I mean, you you did great—60 pounds down, even if you know you hadn't been maintaining and you'd been still just slowly losing. But to have lost it as quickly as you did, and then to be maintaining it while having longer windows is, especially during the pandemic, is a huge victory.
1: Yeah. And I did just have my other my next, you know, annual exam a month ago or so, a couple months ago. And the doctor basically said the same thing. You know, it's working, keep it up. You haven't gained anything. You know, you're just you're maintaining here. It's a good thing. So that's been good.
0: Yep, yeah, that really is. And I love that your doctor remains supportive. And I bet, you know, after the year that that 2020 was. How many of her patients really did maintain over the year? Right, right. Probably not very many. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) So to have maintained and even gone on to lose a little more since your last appointment, you're probably her star, one of her star patients at this time. That's a victory right there. So you mentioned that your blood pressure improved, but not enough to get off blood pressure medicine. So what other health benefits have you experienced?
1: I had a couple like scars, little, not skin tags, but little growthy thing, you know, one on my arm that I've had for years. And then a couple scars from when I'd had a angioma cut off my leg and stuff. And those are better. I did have. I'm one of the lucky ones who had something weird happen, but I ended up having a. Basically, it's like a pinched nerve in my leg. Oh goodness! That they said usually happens when you gain weight, but I'm one of the ones who, when I lost weight, it happened. So I do have some numbness in my right outer thigh, but it's tolerable and hopefully, you know, it'll get better. I try to do some exercises and stretching, and that's helping. Vibration plate is helping. But my hair color, I did not need to highlight or do anything with my hair for with the pandemic and stuff. I noticed that, that I'm like, oh, I don't even know that I need to do this anymore. So um,
0: <laughs> I like your natural color has come back in, is that?
1: Yeah, it had gotten a darker brown, and it's kind of lightened up a little bit. And wasn't so mousy I guess was always why I did it because it was kind of mousy brown hair as I used to be white and then it got darker as I went along and got older so I'm trying to think here what else were some of the benefits I had seen like I said I made a little cheat sheet and then I forgot it (laughs) (laughs) that's all right (laughs) yeah and I did review labs and whatnot um, prior to this from that December and then the ones that I just had done in like February and things were better with all of my labs. So that's good. And my doctor is very receptive to things. So I did have a fasting insulin done and that was 4.9. Awesome. So tell that me that number again. I missed it. 4.9. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I come from a huge familial diabetes type two family, like all of my mom's siblings, even the skinny little ones have become diabetic as they've gotten into their 70s and whatnot. So that is a huge bonus for me to, you know, know that I'm helping prevent that or hold it off for a while anyway. So that was yep, that's Yeah, that's really
0: huge. Knowing that your fasted insulin. Like really honestly, everybody, if you have not had your fasted insulin level checked, ask your doctor to do it, like Jenny's did. And if they give you pushback, I, you know, I've heard of people who there's like an online place, I can't think of the name of it, some of these online lab companies that you can, you know, go and not for very much money, they will you know, order one for you and then you can go to like quest diagnostics or whatever. And then it's not expensive. So you can get that done yourself, even if your doctor is not receptive. But I would start with by asking your doctor and explain why. You know, a lot of doctors that that aren't familiar with they'll be like, well, Are you sure you don't want an A1C or <laughs> but I'm glad your doctor was receptive. 4.9 is great. Under five is really what we are hoping to see for ideal. Although the, the quote normal range is much higher than that. You know, if you're like an eight, they'll be like, oh, you're normal. But really under five, I think is right around there is what we want.
1: Yeah. And I did have a couple labs done. Like when this leg thing first started happening, I another, a nurse practitioner I'd seen did some labs and my glucose was a little bit high. So we did an A1C and that was in norm, low, nor you know, like a low range. Well, that was good too, but I'm attributing that to the coffee that I had drank beforehand and that-
0: Oh yeah, that'll, <laughs> that'll artificially make that blood glucose go up because it- dumps out some of that liver glycogen and that really confuses people because the coffee itself is clearly not providing glucose to raise your glucose level unless you're putting something in it which you shouldn't but it's coming from your liver. So that's, you know, clearing it out. Did you have a fasting insulin level prior to this one to compare it to? I did not. No. I wish I had an old one too. I wish I had some old data
1: but I don't. Yeah. Just wasn't on the radar until you guys were talking about it and stuff. So
0: wouldn't it be cool if one day that standard of care to have a fasting insulin level? Because I read, you know, an article a while back that talked about it was I think it might have been written by a nurse practitioner, but it was talking about fasting insulin level being the thing that we need to have our eye on because that is like the thing that as that is that'll precede A1C going up. Usually. So it, that's like the warning sign. If you watch what the fasted insulin level is doing, you can predict you know, the direction your health is trending from that before your A1C starts to look problematic.
1: Yeah. And then I am doing the Zoe stuff. Right oh, now. are you? <laughs>
0: Yes. You're in the middle of it, like right, like you're in the, you have your CGM on. I do, yes.
1: I'm on, it must be day five, but I. You've already eaten the muffins. Well, I ate the muffins on Saturday, but then I could not get myself to bleed enough. So I'm going to eat that day. And I'm just going to have... Are they sending you more muffins? They're sending me more muffins and another blood test. They weren't... I didn't find them horrible. I did lots of water and, you know, got them down. Those muffins, bless them. Because
0: I was, you know, I really love muffins. So the people... I had some of the moderators in in one of our groups. They did it like... We all signed up at the same time, but I had a lot going on. So I was like, I I have to, you know... They did it several weeks ahead of me. And so when it was time... I mean, when they were doing it, they're complaining about how bad the muffins were. And I'm like, but I really like muffins. I think I'm going to like these muffins. I
1: was like, oh, no, that's a lie.
0: (laughs) But getting that blood out is
1: no joke. Oh, I know. And I was like, I did everything they had suggested and stuff. And I'm, you know, on the DDD social network thing. So I'm in the Zoe group there. So I we were talking about it and, you know, did all that kind of stuff. And I just was not bleeding. So I just thought I'm going to Talk to one of my lab friends and have them draw me. They think we'll get them to me, like sprinkle things. it on the card yourself. Yeah, I'm the, like, we'll just get a vial, do a vial and drop it on. I'm like, oh my gosh. And somebody had posted on the site a picture of theirs and they had all this blood and it was way over, over the line. I'm like, I have nothing on my face.
0: <laughs> I was able to get a lot of blood out by doing that squeezing. And for anyone who's listening and thinking, what in the world are Jen and Jenny talking about? This is Zoe. If you go to ginstevens.com Zoe, you can read all about it. And They are checking to see on these muffin days, they're checking to see how your blood clears glucose and also how your blood clears fat, because that's an indication of the foods that may work best for you down the line. My body clears fat slowly, which I learned. And so therefore, I can't like for ideal health and lower inflammation, I should not eat a lot of fat all at one time. It's not telling me to eat a low fat life, but it's just telling me that I have to spread out my fat more so which is harder to do in an eating window, I have to admit. (laughs) You know, so I would have to make some lower fat choices. So are you enjoying
1: watching the CGM? Is this your first time ever wearing one? It is. Yep. So I am enjoying it. I have, you know, watched the graph and stuff. I know some people are getting the iPhone app now, but apparently an 11 doesn't qualify for it. So I did not get it, but, or they had enough of those, people in that group or something. But yeah, just to watch the trend. And I had actually gotten just a glucose glucometer and did a few checks, you know, before this, but I kind of think I'll do that a little bit more as things go along too. So...
0: It's absolutely astonishing to me. The part that surprised me was how variable our blood glucose levels are during the day. I had no idea. You know, because we go in, we get a fasted glucose level, and it's like a snapshot in time, but then so much is based on that. And you realize that 10 minutes ago, it was different. And 10 minutes from now, it'll be different again, depending on whether you just walked up a flight of stairs, for example, you know, and so, or whether you just had a cup of coffee. So it really taught me that that a blood glucose number is not something one individual isolated blood glucose reading is not something to ever get all
1: stressed out about. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that variability and whatnot. Being a nurse at the hospital, we have, you know, many people were checking blood glucose on, you know, at least four times a day and sometimes more if they are having problems and you know, just seeing those kind of changes with patients and how they go up and down throughout the day and whatnot too, and get that sliding scale insulin. So I guess I would rather avoid that if possible. So.
0: Absolutely. And it sounds like with a fasted insulin level of 4.9, your chances are very good yeah, for avoiding that. And you know, what's so interesting, we were recording yesterday, I recorded with Melanie Avalon for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast and someone wrote in and they said, you know, I've heard that intermittent fasting causes blank and blank and blank, and it makes you get diabetic. Oh. And like, actually, no, the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> You know, and your results are, are showing that.
1: So yeah, so that's a good thing. I'm, you know, making these healthy changes. And that's what I want to do. I want to be here for a long time and be here and not lose any of my body parts and whatnot, either, because, of you know, sores and diabetes and things like that. So
0: yeah, yeah, I'm watching my dad struggle with health effects of that. It's challenging and hard to watch. You said you've seen family members go through it
1: yourself. Yeah, yeah and the renal failure and dialysis, so yeah. That's so
0: yeah we're gonna avoid that for ourselves absolutely so how has your size changed over time you know you said you had clothes in your closet from 20 years ago or are you
1: wearing a whole new wardrobe i would imagine so i am wearing a whole new wardrobe so i went from a 16 18 jean generally to a 6 8 and like a 2X top, generally, I mean, I had a few threes and ones and whatnot, but 2A medium-large, so... That's such a good feeling. Yes. Yep, it is. And I just recently pulled more things. As I got my winter clothes out, I had some sweatshirts and whatnot, some 2Xs that I've just been wearing because they're warm and cozy, but I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm, you know, pass them along to people. And It's time.
0: And, you know, if you're like me... Every time I ever lost weight before, before intermittent fasting, I would still hang on to things. I had like up in my attic, I had clothes from every size. Like whatever size I found myself in in a season, I could go up there and find something that fit me from years past when I was that size. So I was always going up and down in that range. My range was from a 6 to a 16, 18. I had everything in between. And so with intermittent fasting, when I got down to my goal initial goal in 2015, I got rid of everything for the first time ever.
1: And it felt so good. I'm sure. Yeah,
0: it did. I haven't needed it again. Actually, here's a funny story today before we recorded. I'm in the process of culling out my clothes, things that have gone out of style. I've never had this happen before. I now am at the point where the clothes that I bought in 2015 that still fit me, you know, obviously some of them got a little too big over time as I lost a little more weight. But the things from 2015, 2016, it's been five years. They're starting to look out of style. And I'm like, these just aren't working. Are they getting shabby? They're wearing out? (laughs) What? Has not everybody had this happen before. Clothes wear out? Yeah. (laughs) So I've got to do some shopping just so I don't look like I'm, you know, on the what not to wear from wearing things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah It's fun a
0: though. Good feeling. Uh, it is such a good feeling. I'm having to get new clothes because they're just not in style anymore. So if anybody sees me in public, I will. <laughs> so I bet you've had a lot of fun shopping for, I mean, can you remember being a size six, eight before?
1: Not really. No, it's been you know, I kind of remember like, you know, high school, college. I don't have I know sometimes people know exactly what they weighed when and different things like that. And I mean, I think I was probably like a tennis in high school and you know, whatnot. So I'm not positive. Probably wore jeans with a waist number, but I don't I know I did actually Levi's that you'd have to write out cross off the waist oh, our, waist yeah and- the
0: waist number. I didn't wear those for whatever reason. I didn't wear the waist number when I always stuck to the sizes, but I remember I was always so confused by those waist number (laughs) size. I I was wearing like the Jordache jeans and the Gloria Vanderbilt, you know? Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. That's really funny. It's so much. I don't know. There's something psychological about a single digit clothing size. I don't know, you know what it is. There's a big difference between an eight and a 10 just in your head. It just feels pleasing you know, crazy as it is. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yep. I think the manufacturers know that. Yeah. And things are a little, little bigger than they used to be. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that is
0: true. You know, I've got clothes from the past. I've got a pair of Gosh, I think they're size eight. They're shorts. They're they're khaki shorts. And they're pleated. Pleated khaki shorts from, let me think, the mid-90s, maybe 95. So it was well before I had kids. And I put them on now. And they were size eight, like I said. And the waist fits me now at the size I am now. But they're way too big everywhere else. (laughs) They're like like wearing a bell or something. (laughs) They were not attractive even at the time, those pleated shorts. Please don't bring back pleated khaki shorts, America. No, no. (laughs) But I kept them. I don't know why I hung into those shorts. Of all the few things that I kept, those were, I don't know. I just, I felt good wearing them. So I kept them. But I, I put them on sometimes and it's hilarious. And we would tuck our shirts in, remember? Oh, yeah. Yep, Cut shorts in, and then So it was like this flared out shorts. I don't even know. <laughs> well, let's talk about exercise and staying active. Do you have any sort of, of routine there? Or are you more like me where you just kind of live an active life with just walking around and doing your
1: job? Yep. Pretty much that. And then outside activity. I like to hike. I like to kayak in the summer and do that kind of stuff and, you know, do hiking and Things, but no, I am not a very active person as much as I'd like to be. I'm not. I'm a little bit more now, I think, than I would have, you know, than I was over the years. I mean, I've always hiked, and a good friend and I would go like we did waterfall tours a couple summers ago. We didn't last summer because of the pandemic, but. Before that, and you know, I'd hike up and down and walk up and down the 250 stairs each way to go to a waterfall and things like that. But you know, would be kind of huffy and puffy and wouldn't do it as often. But yeah, during the pandemic, my three year old granddaughter Willow loves to be outside and loves to hike with me, so we would do obviously a little bit flatter, easier hikes and not as far. But, you know, if I did have to carry her back, it was like, okay, here's 30 pounds that I'm not carrying on my body anymore, but I can carry her, you know, kind of deal and stuff. But yeah, that's striking
0: to feel, isn't it? When you're carrying around an extra 30 pounds, and then you lost more than double that, so if you had to carry two of her down the trail, <laughs> wouldn't you couldn't even do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I
0: couldn't. No. That's amazing. Such a good feel. I would say you sound like, an, like you're active to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, but I don't go to like exercise classes. I do yoga once in a while, but I'm not going. And I, you know, have paid. That was my big thing. I don't know how much money I spent at gyms that I'd go for a little while and then I wouldn't go and I keep paying for them thinking, oh, I'm going to go next week and. You know, just that was my not so much the diet things, but I paid for gyms for numerous years, thinking, Oh, I'll go tomorrow. And I've kind of been thinking about maybe doing like the weightlifting stuff, I'd, you know, do that, but I don't know. I haven't committed to it yet.
0: <laughs> I get it. And, you know, You may be able to find uh, something you like to do in your home instead of going to the gym because I have – oh, when we actually – when we bought our house, not the house we're in now, but our our previous house, the lady who owned it before us had like a little – in the basement, she had all this Nautilus equipment. Do you remember Nautilus? Yeah. I mean, it was like expensive health club quality stuff, and I had a basement full of it, and that was one of the draws of buying this house. And I was like, look, we're buying this house. It has this whole basement room full of Nautilus equipment. We didn't even use it when it was in the house. Or I didn't. You know, that's just not part of my lifestyle. I was like, I am going to be so fit. We had to like find somebody to come and remove all that equipment, take it away after we lived in that house for a few years so we could like recover the use of the space. But, you know, I think you're either somebody who really likes to do that or you're not. And, you know, maybe you could find like something you could do resistance bands or something while watching TV. That's more of my speed.
1: Yeah. And I do have a lot of that stuff at home kettlebell and some weights and things. And it's just getting the time to do it and getting started, I think, is the deal. So, and getting it into your routine. Yeah. I did get a vibration plate. And I, I, most days I do that morning and night, like, you know, before work and after work. And I work 12 hour shifts. So that kind of, makes things a little bit, you know, like going to the gym and things. That's what makes it hard. I don't want to get up so early to do it. And if I go after work at eight o'clock at night, I'm not going to be able to sleep, you know, so just kind of stick with trying to do things at home. So, and you're on your feet at work. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like it you know, most days are 5 miles at least, you know, if it's kind of a slow day it's less, but I mean, you're say you're active.
0: <laughs> I think so many of us have been conditioned by the industry that if we're not going to a class and paying for a gym and doing something that's organized, we're not but I mean, you're walking 5 miles. How many 12-hour shifts do you work a week?
1: 3 or 4 kind of depending our our pay period goes from Wednesday to Tuesday. So it's kind of weird. Some days I'll have four in a week, a normal work week, and other times it's just three. So,
0: and how do you fit intermittent fasting into those 12 hour shifts? I know we have a lot of listeners who may also do shift work, and that's a struggle because I mean, it was a lot easier for me as a teacher with an eight hour shift. That, and you know, but when you have every day is different, you've got three days or four days of 12 hour shifts. How do you make that work for you?
1: That's kind of what I'm struggling with. And when I first started, I was doing like a four o'clock window and I usually have four to six, depending on the day. And then I would have a snack and then I would eat after work. Then I kind of had a plateau in like March last year a little bit. And I moved my window up to like two to six, and then I was kind of done. Well, then since this maintenance program I've been on lately, I am struggling with that and trying to get back to it. Sometimes I'll eat Earlier at work, and then I'll be done. Some days I'll eat at work and think I'm done, and then I'm not, and I'll eat a little bit more. So then I'm ending up with like a six hour window and some of that kind of stuff. So that is one of the things that I do struggle with. And I am a moderator on the Delay, Don't Deny social networking for the healthcare and a couple other things. And that is one of the things that a lot of us have been talking about. And, you know, do you, Wait and eat at eight o'clock at night afterwards? Or do you, you know, do it earlier and then you have half an hour, 45 minutes if I combine my 30 and my 15 and my, you know, and just not being able to, you know, have the time to really eat and enjoy your food. So I'm kind of struggling with that a little bit of what's going to be the best window to get back to.
0: Well, I love that you have that community to talk it through with.
1: Yeah. And actually, this is, um, it was a timely thing. I had on that network, a woman had approached me because I had my hometown and stayed in there. And she said that they were going to be moving to my city in about a year or so, Her, she and her spouse. So we just connected and I, I have a little... Facebook group for people locally that we started and connected her with that and whatnot. So last week she said, I'm going to be there this weekend. Are you available to meet it all? So I had worked the weekend and she had something going on the one day. after. So we met this morning for coffee. So I love that
0: so much. And you met her on the Delay, Don't Deny social yeah, network.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: See, that's my dream. My dream yeah. is for people to have a support system of real people, not just online. Although I love my online support system. And, you know, as the Delay, Don't Deny social network grows, you have a better chance of finding someone local to you. Just um, yesterday, someone from, I think, Melbourne, Australia was asking me about the social network. And she said, you know, I'm in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm, in, I'm not ever been on Facebook, she said, which that's another thing that feels good. You know, my whole decision to leave Facebook was hard. It was really hard. I struggled with it for a long time. But I didn't realize how many people were not on Facebook and looking for a community and not going to join Facebook, but they're joining the social network. But to go back to the lady from Australia, I said, well, yes, you know, she was interested in, you know, certain subgroups. I was like, we do have that. And um, she was interested in a type two diabetic subgroup. And I said, and by the way, you can go to the people tab and find people. And when I go and search for, you know, your town in Australia, there are eight people who live in your town that are in the social network right now and you can connect with them. And she was like, okay, that's exciting. (laughs) And you can plan events and you can schedule them. And I've seen those popping up here and there.
1: So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, right before the pandemic started, like I think in January was when we had our first little get together for our local group. And then last, we kind of stopped. I think we met twice and then we kind of stopped. But there's a place in town that has a really nice deck, a little wine and whiskey bar. And we met on their deck a couple times, just a few of us, you know, three or four and stuff, but it was good to connect. And those people are still doing that. So I had just sent out last week that we, you know, who's ready to get together? Should we try it again? And things are kind of getting a little bit better opening up and people are getting vaccinated. So we are going to do that in a week or so. I think it will. I love happen, that. But yeah, But We
0: actually, our coffee group that I have here in Augusta, we had to take a break because our, you know, the place was closed where we always went, but we started back up a little bit in January. A few of us met, but I've got this book deadline. So I've got to wait until <laughs> once I get the new book done, I'm really close. Then I'll be ready to start back and things are opening back up. But it is really nice to have those people that you can just sit and connect with and um, people you may not have known prior to intermittent fasting. And, you know, I've made great friends that I have people I didn't know. And having the support, you know, they support me. I support them. It helps us all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just getting, you know, ideas. And, you know, one of the first ones we had, I found out about Starbucks cold brew. I was never a coffee drinker. I've never enjoyed coffee, but I... I had been drinking Loco Mocos like one a day when I was working my 12-hour shifts prior to fasting. So had that little caffeine burst. So then I had been hearing about coffee and I'm like, I just, I'm not interested in coffee at all. It's, I'll just have to deal with it. But I did try that cold brew and it was good. So I did buy a pot and I have always have a pot in my fridge and kind of water it down. You make but,
0: cold brew at home. Yep. That's a great strategy for people who may not like. Do you heat it up? I don't heat it up at all. I drink it cold. I'm not a big person. Some people, person. oh, see, I like it hot. Even in like July, this episode's coming out July 22nd. I guarantee if I go somewhere and order coffee on July 22nd and it's 100 degrees, I will still drink drink it hot. <laughs> but a lot of people will make cold brew and then heat it up people that like the hot, but you could you could do it either way. Yeah, it's so. just,
1: it doesn't have that bitterness. It really makes it smoother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear. I like the bitterness now, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really can't. I can't believe it. So <laughs> but I do. Now, um, has your taste in food changed at all?
1: Yes, I do. I'm eating more vegetables. I'm you know kind of forcing myself to do that. I still have the Junk food occasionally. I know your Doritos. I like Doritos. Yeah, (laughs) I still like them. (laughs) Try not, just try to buy a little bag or like have them elsewhere and stuff. But like, I just discovered a new bakery that's really good. So I've been, you know, doing that kind of stuff, and I've been really trying to limit myself a lot more. But yeah, just and I kind of, I know, you know, trying to figure out what is best for me, but I've kind of been trying to be more protein based a little bit and, you know, filling up on that to see if that helps and salads and whatnot. So
2: this episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash Pod or text Pod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash Pod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out... To the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
0: And the Zoe results will help a lot, too, once you get those back and you start working with the app and trying to get those numbers that they want you to work towards. I actually saw Tim Spector, one of the lead researchers with the Predict study, who's... For listeners who may not know and and the science behind the Zoe app, he posted on Instagram this week that he tries to eat 30 unique fruits and vegetables or plant foods in the course of every week. I was like, that's a lot. Now I gotta start counting those up. I'm curious. I eat a lot of different things. So if he tries for 30, I'm so curious to know what mine are because it's you know, diversity is so important for our gut. Not just eating, eating the foods, but having
1: a variety. Yeah. Yeah, that tracking of things, though, is not
0: I uh, get it. <laughs> That's not fun at all. <laughs> no, I don't want to track it, but I, it might be fun to count it up, like just to see how many different things, like how many different plant foods I'm getting. And, you know, because I could tend to eat to the same three over and over, like every day I have an avocado and I have the black beans, but instead having maybe choose a different kind of beans certain days. That's the challenge for me is getting in a food rut. yeah. With the things that I like.
1: Yeah. And that are easy and mm-hmm. well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness for the meal delivery kits because <laughs> <laughs> I was just at the beach last week or so. And, you know, I was I was not going out to eat. I was there by myself. I was working. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to go out to eat very much. I'm going to try to eat here. And so I just ate the same thing every day. And from the grocery store, like beans and potatoes, boring. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I need a little more variety. So, you know, other than meal timing that you're, you know, with your, your shift work, is there anything else you struggle with?
1: Um, Not really. I don't think so. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. You know, just the, yeah, mostly that timing of trying to figure out, I don't know if it's so much motivation, but just kind of, you know, getting into this kind of a rut and you know, having to force myself to be like, okay, you need to get back on track and you need Because I do track my eating windows and, you know, look at that and they are definitely extended. So I do need to be, you know, reining those in and just be like, okay. So you can see it with the tracking. You can tell that that, yeah. Sometimes people are not aware.
0: They don't, they're like, well, I haven't changed anything. And then when they examine the data. Yeah. They say, oh, that did change a little bit, right? Yeah. There.
1: <laughs> no, I know I've had longer windows and my food choices always haven't been that great. So that certainly happened for me
0: during the early days of the pandemic. I was baking things I had never baked before. Well, like everybody, yeah, we yeah. didn't have anything else to do, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and the windows got longer and the cocktails creeped in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very very normal. So, you share with with people that you're doing intermittent fasting.
1: How many of your coworkers have you brought on board? There have been four people at work that are intermittent fasting. So, and then, you know, I'm not even sure totally about all of the friends and stuff with, you know, or acquaintances and things. I know that there are a few people for sure who are actually doing it. I've shared my information with total strangers, kind of deal. That they have been. I was at an event last year before the pandemic, and somebody I hadn't, see, you know, it was kind of early days. But I was probably thirty pounds down, and we were. I had stopped to talk with her, and she, you know, complimented me and asked what I was doing and stuff. So I told her, and then two other people at the table were interested too. So I, I shared information with all of them. Haven't, you know, told people about this group that we had because, well, I guess, yeah, I think we did have that. I think that was in January. So we did have that started and whatnot. So it's been, you know, there's people I've shared with that. I don't know if they're doing it as well. Right. And that
0: will happen. You know, if, if we share it with people, even if only one out of 10 starts to do it right away, you know, that may feel like, well, I told 10 people and only one person did it. But those other nine heard you. Yeah. Maybe they'll be ready one day. You planted that seed and just helping one person make that life change and that transition. Yeah. It feels so good. There really is no better feeling. Yeah. I love that, you know, all the people that are listening that I don't know, I love that my message is getting out there. But there's something that really feels very exciting when it's someone I went to high school with who reaches out and says, hey, I read your book and now I'm doing intermittent fasting and thank you. That just, it feels, I mean, it's somebody you know, it just feels amazing.
1: They all, It all feels amazing, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, I just had somebody reach out who has always been thin, you know, her whole life and she said menopause hit and, you know, she just has put on some weight and, you know, had seen the pictures and asked for info and whatnot. So I'm glad that it's helping people. And, whatnot.
0: and you know, you're a nurse, I'm a teacher. And so it's in our DNA to help other people with, with you know, I want to teach them, you want to heal them. <laughs> Together, we can teach them and heal them. At the yep. same time. And,
1: you know, officially, I can't talk about it a whole lot. At work, but I have you know there's been a couple times where I have been talking with people and you know said made the comment that I have lost weight recently and whatnot and oh how are you doing it kind of deal and just said you know this is how it was and one person was very interested I don't know if You know, she was going to look it up. She said, I'm going to look check into this right now. And, you know, was a younger person and was looking on her phone at the time. So I have not seen her again. I don't know if I ever will. But, you know, it's like, hopefully it's at least something there in the back of your mind and whatnot. So... We planted that seed. That's it. You plant the seed, you move on, yeah. and you
0: hope that one day they'll come back to that, even if it isn't right away. Yeah. So, what you know, what would you say is the best part about intermittent fasting?
1: I, for me, it has been the ability to keep up with this grandchild, to know that I'm going to be here for her, and to be able to, you know, do stuff with her. You know, go for bike rides and hike. And hopefully I can get her in the kayak this year. Her mom hasn't with me yet, but no, (laughs) she's afraid she'll be swimming. No. (laughs) Uh, Well, get her and put her in a life jacket, put her in that kayak. She's got a life jacket. She'd have a life jacket on. So we'll see. But just to be able to do things like that, that I like to do, but haven't done lately just because of that additional weight. But I did kayak and I did hike, but not as much as I have been lately. So,
0: well, it, it's hard to move those pounds around. You know, I, I think back to the story I told in Delayed on Deny of hiking up the Mayan ruins carrying, you know, 80 extra pounds over what I have right now. And I did it, but it was hard. It was. Hot (laughs) and I was uncomfortable. I was sweating and I was wearing a dress. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the way I dressed back then. You know, I wore flowy things that wouldn't, you know, bind me. I wore a lot of dresses just because it was, you know, quote, more comfortable. I could kind of hide under there.
1: Last spring, I had bought some clothes and I had shown my sister a dress. I sent her a picture and I said, What do you think? Is it too young? and she's like it's too flowy it's too big you don't need right. you don't need that anymore. anymore yeah and right I, going- I had a lot of
0: empire waist things you know because right under my rib cage is like my smallest point so i would have the, the empire waist coming out from there I, I don't know i thought i was fooling everybody but no <laughs> i look back at that girl with a lot of love cuz <laughs> i was trying so hard yep. yeah yeah so we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew
1: when you first started? I guess I would just tell people just to start and try things and not be so worried about all the little things, you know, clean fast and just try to get, you know, your time in as long as you can, do it as long as you can, not to be so worried about all the rules and stuff. I mean, I'm a I'm a rule follower, but Maybe it's the medical background or whatnot, but I didn't get so hung up on all of those things that some people are so worried about, you know, and that's I know train. personality. But yeah, just to start and do what you can and try to do, you know, maybe increase your fasting time every, you know, couple of days, add on fifteen, thirty minutes and you know, get to that point. Sometimes it I got started and it went good for me, but not everybody does, you know, so just to be open to it, just do what you can and keep working towards that goal you have in mind.
0: And be gentle with yourself when you're, you know, going along the way, you may stumble.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, and that's okay. plateau, it's been like, I have just embraced it and thought, okay, it's a body set point And one of these days I'll get back, but I have not gone back to where I was. So, which is my goal and get back on track here and keep losing the last, you know, 20 pounds. And then there's like people who say, oh, you look good. You don't need to lose more. It's like, well, your clothes kind of cover up some of that extra subcutaneous tissue that I want to get rid of. So
0: <laughs> bad. Well, your body will do what it does when it's ready to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And keep me posted about how the Zoe is going. And, you know, I really think if I needed to lose 20 more pounds, I really would follow. I would track it from the Zoe app and I would eat according to those recommendations. And I know from the short period of time that I followed them just to see, like I was getting into really deep ketosis and I could feel it. And I, my window was a little longer and I was eating a giant amount of food, but it just suited my gut microbiome, the way I clear fat, the way I clear blood glucose, they're definitely onto something there. So yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Tag me and stuff. Because I'm not I don't have time to go into all the groups and see everything that's happening. But if there's something you want me to see tag me on the social network, and I'll see it.
1: Yep, I will do that. So yeah, I'm glad I did it. I had done some genetic stuff when I had COVID in the fall, they Offered it through Mayo. And I did that. And it gave me some basic, like, I don't clear alcohol real good, which I've known. Uh, They get a hangover. Welcome to that club. Yeah. So some of that basic stuff. So it'll be good to have more details. So,
0: you know, and it's so funny talking to my entire family. Apparently, this comes from my dad, the not clearing alcohol well, because my mom, they've been divorced since I was little, but my mom's like, oh, yeah, back in the day, he never could drink. And, but then all of, I'm one of four of my dad's kids, and the other three all are like, yeah, I, I, that's me too. And I'm like, why did it take me so long? To <laughs> figure this out? I'm the slow learner of the family. Everybody else like knew alcohol made them feel bad, but I was still trying to make it work for me yeah. for all these decades. <sighs> Jen, the slow learner. Anyway, Jenny, it has been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and keep me posted
1: with how it's going. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.
0: at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.
3: Once upon a beat.